0: Welcome to Fireside Breakdowns, I'm Robin and I'm John and together we research and break down complex issues facing our society and we bring our findings to you every other week. Our promise to you is to bring you honest analysis backed by research, to skew our bias toward what can be factually supported, and to try to make it clear when we're giving our opinion versus speaking about actual research. Naturally, we're human and our blind spots and our biases will show through from time to time but our goal isn't to convince you to think any certain way. We want to give everyone a foundational understanding of these complicated topics so that together we can discuss and address them in a thoughtful and beneficial way.
1: Due to the nature of our podcast, some of the things we talk about can get pretty heavy and maybe divisive. We try to lighten the mood and avoid too much catastrophizing, but we still suggest getting comfortable and maybe having a good drink on hand as we work through this stuff. Especially for this episode. We recommend you get ready because it's time for Civil War II Electric Boogaloo. Welcome to our fireside.
0: Did I write
1: that? Oh no, I did. You I did. write
0: that, okay? Yes, That's I like, did. I do not remember. That's a.
1: So before we get to the main topic today we were actually asked to address the national nightmare I'm sorry we were asked to address the first presidential debate by the time this is released it will have been just about t- 2 weeks since it aired and we we're recording this actually the Thursday after the vice presidential debate and let me tell you it feels like to me way more than 2 weeks ago since the presidential debate so much has happened yeah so <laughs> i actually wrote the intro a while back and i said this that the uh, debate would likely be buried in an avalanche of drama and, uh, <laughs> i wish i wish i had that level of foresight in all things that i do <laughs> Anyway, <clears throat> let's look back on that for a minute, a little mini breakdown. I think Robin will talk a little bit about the vice presidential debate, yeah? Yeah. Cool. So I'm not going to reiterate the facts of what happened. There's, there's no real debate, and I'm not going to go through and fact check it. I, I don't think it's beneficial or worthwhile to do that. Chris Wallace barely qualified as a moderator, though I have a hard time being upset with him. I don't know that I would be able to handle things differently if I were standing in front of a train wreck trying to get it to do something. So let's just take a look at some of the polls, uh, some of the data we've got on the on the backside of it. So at the time that I wrote this, America thinks Biden quote-unquote won the debate. That's... <laughs> That's kind of like saying tomato is a fruit, you know? It's technically correct, but nobody is baking tomato pies. Without putting too much weight on the polls and understanding that polls are snapshots in time, not necessarily predictive, thank you 2016 for teaching us this lesson. Here are some high-level takeaways. Uh, the debate had no effect on how decided voters were going to vote. Obviously, that's kind of to be expected. Only about one-third of the audience said Trump's performance was somewhat good or very good. 50% said it was very poor. Biden's performance was more positively reviewed, with around 60% saying they thought he performed well. So, general impressions thought Biden did a better job outlining his policies than Trump did, which, as somebody who watched this thing, for you, the listener, so I could talk about it, I mean, I personally agree with that, too. I felt like the majority of Trump's time was spent on the attack and not necessarily talking about his own policies. Frustratingly enough, I think there was so much confusion that even Biden talking about his policies was kind of lost in the... It was lost. Uh
0: (laughs) Everything and everyone was lost.
1: Every, yeah. Uh, And overall, the debate generally made people dislike Trump more and like Biden more, which was an interesting, the the point differential between their favorability ratings grew. So that's about as deep as I want to get into the substance of the debate. We're going to delve into opinion, and this is going to come off, I think, very, very biased especially since I've had time to cool down since I wrote this. But I honestly don't know. I can't think of it in, an, in any other term, so I'm just going to give you my honest feelings of it right now. Full disclaimer, I know Joe Biden. Not well, but when I was in the Secret Service, I protected the vice president's residence. I got on around the end of Obama's term and the beginning of Trump's, so I actually had some experience with the pincers as well. I can talk about my perceptions there another time. I'm just am laying that out because inevitably the like one picture of me with Biden at the Christmas party is going to pop up and somebody's going to accuse me of something. So yeah, it exists. <sighs> my personal relationship with Biden for what it was notwithstanding, I saw two very different men on that stage. I saw one vicious, cruel ill-spoken and immature man, and one man attempting, at least, to be presidential. And I'm not sure how I would react with somebody constantly interrupting me. And let's be clear, there are attempts to both sides. This, This thing that there were interruptions on both sides, by the numbers, Biden interrupted Trump, sure, but he only interrupted Trump or Wallace 22 times compared to the 71 times that Trump interrupted either Biden or Wallace, That's the lowest tally, by the way, I could find for Trump. (laughs) Um, Some analyses had it over 120 interruptions. I... Yeah. Biden seemed to have been practicing trying to stay on message and ignore Trump. And by and large, I feel like he was successful. He did react a couple of times by calling Trump a clown, telling him to shut up and shush or some variation thereof. Again, I don't know how I would have reacted in his position. I think he displayed more than a mustard seed's worth of patience there. <sighs> Suffice it to say, nobody won, honestly. There were low points throughout. I, I'm sure you've all seen it, but this part sticks out. You know, Trump failing to denounce white supremacy when asked. Again. When asked who or what white supremacist he should denounce, Biden suggested the Proud Boys, and he said, Proud Boys, stand back and stand by. But I'll tell you what, somebody's got to do something about Antifa and the left because this is not a right-wing problem, which is the sort of non-denouncement that he's famous for. Now, I'm going to be as fair as I can here. The narrative that Trump hasn't denounced white supremacy at all Isn't exactly accurate. Notably, after the Charlottesville riots, Trump said, this is a quote racism is evil, and those who cause violence in its name are criminals and thugs, including the KKK, neo Nazis, white supremacists, and other hate groups that are repugnant to everything we hold dear as Americans. Now, we can certainly talk about the overall context of Trump's remarks and why this particular myth persists. And how, when he's caught with written remarks versus unwritten remarks, he changes how he talks. But stating broadly that he's never condemned white supremacy is wrong. The thing, though, that I think is the most important takeaway from the debate, and then the subsequent two weeks after it, Trump has shown us, very clearly, who he is in these last two weeks. He demonstrated his worst nature, especially near the end of the night when Biden was talking about his son, Bo Biden. I'm not going to chronicle Bo's life, but understand that he was a veteran who served in the Iraq War where he earned the Bronze Star. We actually don't know how he earned the Bronze Star. Uh, much to my frustration, that information is not public. But in 2015, he died. It was tragic. It was brain cancer. And I would like to add to this that Joe Biden previously lost his wife and daughter in a car accident in 1972. I bring it up because it's really important to keep these things in mind when you think about Joe Biden. His life has been marked by terrible tragedy over and over again. So when Trump interrupted Biden's comments on his son, Beau, (laughs) Biden's comments that he was making in the process of defending our veterans as being anything but losers, as Trump would call them. When Trump interrupted that with this vicious low attack on Hunter Biden, I felt the air go out of my lungs. I'm not going to pull up the audio because I honestly get sick just thinking about it. And I don't want to have to edit it and listen to it over and over again. (laughs) But no father deserves that. Trump wasn't attacking Hunter with that widely debunked conspiracy theory about his dealings with Ukraine. He went after Hunter's struggle with drug addiction. Now set aside that Trump stooped to attacking Biden's kids. This is something we haven't had a chance to talk about fully, but... A struggle with addiction? That's a struggle you do not go after. You don't. I would warrant every single person listening to this knows someone who has struggled with addiction in some form. It's a nasty, insidious, life-altering struggle that takes immense mental fortitude to overcome. In that moment, during that attack, I honestly don't know if I would have thought it strange at all if Biden had lost his composure completely. But he didn't. He rejoined with an incredible statement of pride and support for his son, speaking directly to the American people. For me, if I knew nothing else but about these two men, that moment, right there, would have sealed what I thought about each of them. What I saw on that stage were two very different men. And through the attacks The interruptions, the bullying, the whataboutism, one thing became clear to me. One of those men is scared. Sure, he tries to sell it as brash self-assuredness, but (laughs) I was trained that we were conditioned with four reactions when we're scared. Fight, flight, freeze, and fawn. Now the first two, most people have heard of, fight or flight. The other two, freezing, is pretty self-explanatory. And then fawning is when you try to flatter whatever is scaring you in order to survive. Flight, freezing, and fawning were impossible for Trump in that debate. So he took the only choice left to him. He fought. The thing is, it wasn't the dignified, methodical fight of a politician attempting to outmaneuver his opponent. What I saw were the desperate attacks of a man afraid, willing to do whatever it took to defeat his opponent. Every little thing he did was designed to keep Biden from talking, from finishing his sentences, from getting more than a few moments respite. I think on some conscious level, he thought he could wear Biden down with his overwhelming amount of bluster, but that's not what I saw happening. All I saw was a bully. In a sense... The debate is a microcosm of the problems facing America today. Many of Trump's supporters say they voted for him due to his unpolished demeanor. He, quote, tells it like it is. Interestingly, those same supporters will go on to defend him to the hilt when he stumbles over a simple denouncement of white supremacy, saying things like, that's not what he meant. Does he tell it like it is, or does he speak in obtuse references that have to be interpreted by the faithful? You you cannot have both. More than anything, this cognitive dissonance is frustrating to me. Regardless, we saw two sides that absolutely could not find any common ground up there. And I feel like one side still attempted to act as if things were normal, and the other seemed to take delight in the pain of his opponent, in owning the libs, to use a common phrase. I'm not going to continue on this much longer because we have better things to talk about, frankly, but I do want to tell a quick story about after this debate. A very conservative friend of mine posted a picture on Facebook. It said, I am way less concerned with who you vote for Than how you treat the people that vote differently than you do. And to an extent, I can agree with that sentiment. I think that if everyone is operating in good faith for the betterment of the country, I don't care if you're voting Republican or Democrat or Libertarian. But I think we're seeing right now a division among the parties that values different lives differently. I sent her a a private message when she posted that and I pointed out that I agree with the message but I asked her if she felt she lived up to the standard she was setting. She constantly paints all Democrats as idiots on a good day and literally evil <laughs> at any other time. I didn't attack her I just I just wanted to hold a mirror up to her actions, right? And all she did was thank me for my concern, which I suppose is better than an outright attack rejoiner, but I had hoped for some honest thought in the matter and it was just depressing to me that even pointing out the obvious didn't lead to anything beyond an end to the conversation. Anyway, that's why we have this podcast to promote honest discussion backed by research, to find our common ground. Regardless of how you feel about Trump or Biden, understand all of you, that we all generally want the same things. Don't lose sight of that in the discussions about how we reach those goals. I know it's hard, but don't lose sight Of the other's humanity. Anyway, that was my takeaway from the debate. What did you think about the vice presidential debate that we were treated to last night, Robin?
0: Like you, I also have thoughts. But also, like your analysis, I'm not going to go back through and fact check the debate. I'm not going to go back through and, and hit all the poll responses because at the end of the day doesn't actually matter. We, the American people, had the opportunity to watch Senator Kamala Harris and Vice President Mike Pence face-off in the vice presidential debate. But I have to say that I I use the term face-off very, very lightly here because much of what we watched was just the two vice presidential candidates reiterating carefully crafted talking points that lauded their own presidential candidate and denigrated the others. They were looking down at their notes a good majority of the time. And I gained no new knowledge about either party's platform, which is an absolute shame. The only learning that happened last night during the debate in my house was that I got to help my middle school daughters understand a little bit more about debate tactics and what it means to grab a question, spin it into a different question, and then answer your own question or how it's actually a tactic to just keep talking or to interrupt the other person if they're saying something that you don't want to say. But I hate that my kids are learning about debate strategy, how to deflect, how to not answer a question, how to give the appearance that you're dominating the opponent and not learning about what the candidates for president and vice president actually stand for. Um, and, And I had some other... Significant takeaways from the debate and the conversations afterwards. The first thing that I want to touch on is that my husband had probably one of the most brilliant moments that he's had in these discussions ever. He's not a debater. He's not an arguer. He's not much into politics. He's very much the calm and steady in this house and so as I was venting my frustrations to him about the lack of new substance and how they only focused on the already belabored talking points that we already know all about I said something like why don't they just ditch their notes and tell us what they know and his response was perfect he just looked at me and he said because nobody's watching this to learn about the candidates everyone's watching this to see their candidates stick it to the other guy on the points that matter most to us and I was like man That sucks. That was a gut punch because literally minutes before the debate started, I told John that I was looking forward to watching Senator Harris eat Mike Pence for lunch. That is the one thing that I wanted to see because I know about her history as a prosecutor and I know how much is is going on in that head of hers. And I thought just for a second, if she was unleashed, she could just tear him a new one. But the more that I think about it, the more I realize that If we want anything different from the pageant that is American politics, we have to show up differently. I have to show up differently. They're giving us exactly what we're asking for, exactly. And it's up to us to ask for something different now. If we don't want to see a perfectly rehearsed debate, we have to ask for something new. And the second thing that I took away from this debate was how comfortable so many people are with being metaphorically walked on by our predominantly white male political candidates and and anybody in authority. You know, when Vice President Pence repeatedly refused to stop talking after his time was over and insistently interrupted Senator Harris while it was her turn to speak, No one, not a single person in that room, insisted that he stop. The moderator asked him, politely reminding him, Mr. President, Mr. Vice President, your time's up. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Vice President. But nobody said no thank you. Like literally nobody stood up and said, you need to stop this now or you will not get to continue participating. And the responses that I saw to that situation, mostly from the more conservative folks, but even from people who lean more to the left. Most of the responses that I saw about that situation were not about how inappropriate it was that Senator Harris was being talked over or that Vice President Pence was taking far more than his time. The responses were about how rude or sassy Senator Harris's demeanor was, how unladylike it was that she was rolling her eyes as she was being interrupted, as her time was being taken away. It was her behavior that was being criticized. She was, people were saying how she needed to stop the head bobble, which I'm not even going to get into how, how implicitly racist that is. I
1: don't even think it's implicitly racist. I'm not going to go there. That (laughs) is just racist.
0: Like he was being objectively rude, but it was her behavior and response that was criticized. So the other thing, another thing that I would like to say, because I, <laughs> I got more thoughts, is we, we have to start seeing how often this happens, not only to women or to people of color, but to people of lower socioeconomic standing or people who believe differently than you in the room. For The person that you don't feel like is the smartest person in the room. The other. This happens to people all mm. the time. And we have got to start calling that out because it's absolutely mm. inappropriate. And then the last thing that I want to comment on is something that I read tonight about Senator Harris. And it was, again, one poster in a discussion on a friend's page about the debate. And that person said that Senator Harris used her Indian heritage to sway voters in her California district, but she's now running on a platform of being black, heavily in quotes there, in order to sway black voters. And this is a common issue that people of mixed ethnicity face, right? We're expected to choose one predominant cultural identity and eschew all of the others for being, for fear of being seen as somehow duplicitous, like we're trying to play both sides of the field, or like we're trying to gain advantages that are unfair, from one side or the other, and the idea that we can only choose to be one part of our ethnicity, that we can only choose to identify with one part of who we are, completely minimizes the exceptional value of being multicultural. If Senator Harris wants to use her Indian heritage to demonstrate her shared values and beliefs with that very specific cultural subset in that California district, and that can help her communicate why she's a good candidate for them, that's fantastic. And if the next day she wants to go out and use her black experience to communicate with black voters on their shared values and that helps them understand why she might be the right candidate for them, that is also awesome. Because each of these identities is equally a part of her. They're equally a part of who she is. And she has every claim to the relational equity that comes with those. It is not in any way duplicitous to understand and speak to every single part of your identity. Those of us with mixed racial heritage have some amazing communication advantages. They call us code switchers because many of us can move easily in and out of cultural boundaries and navigate the complicated communication styles and values of each subculture. And that is absolutely not something that she should be shamed for. That's a value add. That is something that I want in a candidate that represents me, someone who can embrace every single part of who she is and has the skills and the talent and the knowledge to translate that into value for each and every group that she serves. So if you catch yourself knocking Senator Harris for one minute playing to her Indian heritage and the other minute playing to her black heritage, you need to check yourself.
1: That blows my mind. She's literally 100 percent both. <laughs> or 50-50, whatever, it doesn't matter. But it's not like right. people only treated her like she had Indian heritage or people only treated her like she was black. Like she got the she got both barrels her whole life. And yeah.
0: <laughs> it's and it, it, that's a common thing, right? Like we I was listening to NPR this morning and they, they had people presenting their perspectives on the debate. And they interviewed, um, uh, it, granted, it's radio, right? I can't right. see this woman. But I've listened to voices for long enough to know that the person that they were talking to was likely of some sort of ethnic minority heritage. And she was a woman. And I had to catch myself because my first thought was, of course, they're going to get a woman to comment on Senator Harris's performance in the debate. Of course, they're going to get... Uh, um, an ethnic minority to comment on that. And then I was like, wait a minute. Because I, I had to check my bias there for a minute, right? We're all conditioned to these things. And I had to stop and ask myself while I'm trying to drive to work in traffic, what is it that feels manipulative about that to me? It's not. It is not in any way manipulative to have someone who who identifies with the person speaking share their thoughts on the debate. Why would that person have more credibility if they were male or white to speak to to Senator Harris's performance? So, right, like, we all have these biases and we have to encounter them and face them every single day. That's the only way we're going to solve that problem.
1: I'm sorry, I'm just sitting here nodding because I just... Go off. Go off. I'm fine. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. That's good. I guess we'll actually get to the... The topic of the podcast. Now <laughs> we're we're half an yeah, hour in. Fine. If you've stuck with us this long, welcome to the podcast. Uh, <laughs> yeah, right. We're actually
0: going to talk yeah. about a thing today. So, that's so cool. yeah.
1: So what are we going to talk about? I teased it at the beginning, right? This topic is actually a little fun, believe it or not. Uh, we didn't have to dig through yeah so many studies for this one, which was a it was a <laughs> relief to be honest. Yeah. But. It's not fun and like, aha, it's more like, well, at least it's not depressing on top of everything else. Mostly. <laughs> so, I mean, It's it's still rough, people. It's still rough, but it's got a fun name.
0: There's the moment. It's got a
1: fun name. So what is it we are talking about, Robin?
0: All right. Today, we are taking a closer look at the Boogaloo Movement. How many times are we going to get to say so that? So like many
1: Boogaloo times. Tonight? I'm very excited.
0: Yes. This subject and people involved in it or adjacent to it have popped up in the news more than a few times since all of the unrest concerning police violence against people of color has increased. But, I mean, we both have to admit going into this that neither one of us fully knew exactly what this group was or how exactly they tied into this racial tension. I just knew yeah, it was a fun word yeah, to say. I right? was...
1: My initial thoughts were, I mean, I'm not going to say they're way off, but they were definitely not right. They weren't enough, (laughs) which as we get into this will become very apparent because this is a mess.
0: Right. All right. So like, let's jump into kind of what we thought. And we both wrote down our notes before we started doing research. So if, if they sound, just, just don't judge. This is what we
1: thought it was, what we thought um, they were.
0: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I'm going to own in advance that I was woefully ignorant of this group and what they stand for until the the subject came up in a <clears throat> conspiracy realist Facebook group that I'm in. Don't judge me. Don't judge me. It's associated with a podcast that I like. It's called Stuff They Don't Want You To Know, which is a great podcast uh, from the How Stuff Works guys. And the hosts there take a look at conspiracy theories and supernatural and paranormal theories and government theories and all kinds of crazy theories in much the same way that we break down topics here right they look at the research that's available and they kind of do a deep dive into the idea uh without necessarily So did they pay
1: you for this diverting too heavily
0: they they did not, not i cum. just <laughs> i just love i can rant all day about the podcast that i love uh-huh. to listen to So if anybody would like to pay me to plug their podcast. That's right. This
1: is premium real estate. Give us your money. We'll talk about you.
0: Exactly. A couple of people are going to hear how cool your podcast is. I promise. Right. So anyway, deep in some comment thread on some topic, probably QAnon, Mm -hmm. someone accused because that's a lot of the conversation that goes on right now. Someone accused the Boogaloo Boys of being neo-Nazis. And one such boy took deep, deep offense. And this was probably the first time I had ever heard this term. And he, like, he posted quite the manifesto. And I think there was an infographic, though I could not find it. I tried to go back and find it. Infographics. Um, explaining just exactly what he believed. I was really impressed that there was an infographic. I
1: mean, infographic. what better way to communicate um, your ideas? It's Pictures, words, right? beautiful.
0: I was like, surely... This must be highly organized. They have
1: graphics, means sources, right? Uh, so the gist, obviously, sorry, exactly.
0: The gist of what I remembered was this: right, politically, they stand somewhere to the outside of libertarian. Uh, they don't think that anyone has the right to tell them what to do, especially the government, and especially, especially the police. They really like guns, and they don't think that anybody should be able to restrict their or your access to them uh they think we might have to fight another civil war and they're totally prepared for it they're the ones out there full of bluster daring states to declare martial law and promising to finish what law enforcement starts right we all we all know that guy that's my strongest impression of them as a group like they're the guy in the bar who is overly desperate to prove how strong he is and who will very forcefully make sure that everyone knows how strong he is, even when no one has made any statements about how strong he is. Like, he's out there looking for a fight, even when there's no fight or the fight isn't theirs. Like, the, the bro who's like, yeah, I got a lot of guns. Yeah, what are you going to do about it? You're going to come take them? And you're like, literally nobody asked you about your guns. No
1: step on stick.
0: Yeah. Uh, so. <laughs> exactly.
1: So what I thought was... Uh, well, first of all, I would actually like to thank my mother, Kathy, and her best friend, also named Kathy, uh, for helping me nice. uh, float this idea to you for this session, because they had never heard of the Boogaloo movement and looked at me like I was bat poop crazy when I explained the very little that I knew. <laughs> so, Mom, eh, if and when you listen to this, <laughs> this episode's for you. What I think I know is that the Boogaloo movement, sometimes called the Boogaloo Boys, is a far-right extremist group. They march around in Hawaiian shirts, strapped up with plate carriers and long rifles, thinking they're some sort of militia. Uh, The Boogaloo is a reference to one of their primary goals, which is a second civil war, which they call the Boogaloo. I know, very complicated. So...
0: If anyone's keeping it
1: tight I'm gonna. I, I hope somebody tallies for us. Why do they want a second civil war? I think, or I thought that the the reason they wanted a second civil war was very similar to the reason the first civil war occurred, which is to establish the superiority of the white man over the rest of the world and to form a white ethno state. So, in order to achieve this goal, they intentionally set out to drive up racial tension and often appear to align themselves with organizations like Black Lives Matter to stir up trouble. That was kind of my write-up. I'm going to reiterate right here. This is what we thought before we did research. So don't go around saying that that's who these people are before you've listened to the whole podcast to see if you're right. Because, spoiler alert, we were not right. We weren't entirely wrong, but we were not right. (laughs)
0: okay dear listeners now it is time for you to see how what we thought we knew stacks up against actual reality so in case you're as in the dark about this as we were here's what this episode's going to look like first we'll try to talk about exactly what the movement is we'll get into the history we'll discuss some of the specific value positions and the tenets of the movement and we'll look at how the group is present in america today and Maybe some of the more prominent figures in action today? And then we'll finally talk about what the response has been to the increasing visibility of these groups in our daily news and our social media feeds, both from the press and then from state and federal governments. And of course, we'll end with some good news, too. As usual, all of our sources will be available to you after the show on Podbean and on our Facebook page. All right. So what is what is the Boogaloo movement? Like we said before, none of us, neither of us were right, but we did hit on some correct elements, uh, and it, it just it turns out that that actually calling it a movement is a bit generous. The reality is that at the core, it's a lot of loosely organized groups connected around one central ideology, which is a massive modern armed resistance movement, a war or a revolution, and even that ideology takes different shapes depending on which group you're talking to. Uh, so I think the best way to work this out is to take a look at where this all started and then what adherence to this yeah, movement
1: is. Yeah, it's a mess. But I think we can sort of distill some of the like pearls of truth from everything that we researched. And the very, very short version is that no matter what the low-level goals of the Boogaloo movement are, the umbrella they fall under is that they are an anti-government extremist movement that formed in around 2019. In 2020, boogalooers <clears throat> I'm sorry. It's just a fun word. boogalooers a.k.a. Boog Boys or Boojahadeen. <laughs> I,
0: I can't. It's boys with an I and I, I, I can't... I refuse. I refuse to type that. Oh, we're
1: going to hurt their feelings if they listen to this. Um, I'm Dude. not worried. <clears throat> increasingly, uh, oh. sorry, in 2020, these people have increasingly engaged in real world activities as well as online activities. Uh, they do, they show up at protests and rallies, especially ones around gun rights. Um, they protest pandemic restrictions and they show up to police related killing protests. They're all over the place. The shortest definition for them is, and the most important one, they are a terrorist group. I know. It's a bold statement. I can I can hear it being said right now. I'm sure that that gentleman on Facebook would uh, clutch his pearls at such an assertion. But uh, it's simple fact. I mean, <laughs> my job literally revolves around combating terrorism. So I'm kind of familiar with what the elements are and how they work. And if you want to know what the elements of a terrorist group are, they're really, really simple. It's a group who collectively they plan and execute violent criminal acts with the purpose of furthering ideological goals. Since these are domestic terrorists, those goals usually are revolving around influencing things that are political, religious, social, racial, or environmental in nature. We'll flesh this idea out as we go along, but I'm just stating it now for the record, even though we are laughing because the name is silly, this is a domestic terrorist organization. If you associate with them, you are a domestic terrorist. It's just like if you associate with ISIS, you are a foreign terrorist, period. I don't have the patience or other virtues required to debate this with people. If you take issue with it, I suggest you reevaluate your priorities and take a long hard look at what the people you hang out with really want. So let's talk a little bit about its origins. If you wanna know the origins of the Boogaloo movement, You have to understand the the completely chaotic world that is 4chan. I don't want to get too deeply into 4chan, and neither should anybody else. But what you need to understand is that 4chan is a relatively lightly monitored and moderated anonymous image board website. It's like Facebook without adults. What this means is that people are largely able to post whatever they want. There have been occasional bans on the site and stuff taken down, but it's rare. I'm not going to talk about whether or not such a site is good or bad for the world. Maybe that can be a topic for another time. But suffice it to say that this has allowed several boards to develop that are (laughs) distasteful. Or it's allowed boards that aren't distasteful to devolve into the control of the dregs of society and become distasteful. Perhaps I'm speaking too strongly. I don't know. I don't really think highly of people that group together to glorify starting a second civil war. Maybe it's just me. <clears throat> so first of all, the Boogaloo meme that crystallized as a in-real-life movement of heavily-armed protesters started with the phrase... Civil War II, Electric Boogaloo. Which is, of course, obviously, patterned on the title of the 1984 sequel to the breakdance cash-in film, Break-In. Which would be uh, Breakin' in 2, Electric Boogaloo. Uh, I know you have heard of yes. it. It is probably the best movie of all time. It is not. Probably. Probably. <clears throat> Internet users, and I would argue just people in general, have used Electric Boogaloo as an add-on to make something joking or tongue-in-cheek for years, including the possibility of civil war.
0: Thus, the story of the Boogaloo began <laughs> as a meme.
1: I'm sorry. It's <laughs> so funny. It's, it's not, just, but it is.
0: It's just the word. It is. It's the word. just yeah. that word is so funny. So it began as a meme in a board for gun enthusiasts, where users discuss all manner of weapons, from knives to fighter jets though their overwhelming focus is on firearms. And researchers at both Bellingcat and the Middlebury Center on Terrorism, Extremism, and Counterterrorism have recently shown that the earliest iterations of this Boogaloo subculture can be in part traced all the way back to this board as early as 2012. The term Boogaloo appeared as early as 2013 on Iron March, which is an online gathering space literally for fascists and neo-Nazis where participants openly advocated for a race war. Again, I'm going to note here, the Iron March Forum was created specifically for those groups and helped birth some of the deadliest white power groups in the last decade, including the Atomwaffen division. I say that as derisively as I possibly can with a terrible German accent. It was great. Uh, and they used phrases like Bravik 2 Islamic boogaloo, ...aimed at encouraging more attacks like the ones that Anders Breivik carried out in 2011 that left 77 people dead in Norway. And although gun owners tend to lean right, uh, the board explicitly discourages any political board, discussion. This is, yeah. This is K that we're talking about. Explicitly discourages any political discussion. Uh, a sticky post at the top of the forum that was made in October of 2015 which is just as the alt-right culture was born on a different board was turbocharging the Trump campaign. That sticky warns that discussions of politics and even gun control are unwelcome on the board. Uh, But still, that Boogaloo meme itself emerged concurrently in anti-government and white power online spaces as early as the 2010s. And in, in both of these communities, Boogaloo was frequently associated with racist violence and in many cases was an explicit call for a race war. Given their distaste for government intervention broadly, largely growing from a fertile field of discussion about gun control, uh, a sort of culture glorifying this war like naturally developed. And then in 2018 and 2019, these discussions moved from 4chan to Facebook and, and some of the other broader internet discussion platforms and their participants organized in groups with names like, um, oh Jesus, like the Big Igloo Boys and Bujahideen memes and Big Kahuna's Big Luau, but the K has like the slashes, like the 4chan board. And then that's where the most prominent elements of this movement, if you'd like to call it that, took up residence until just yeah, recently. It's
1: interesting like talking about all of the different groups that formed because it's, (laughs) it's kind of clever because they would name their, (laughs) they would name their groups, similar sounding things as a sort of mimetic evolution of the original meme. So, you know, boogaloo sounds kind of like big igloo or big luau, which is why you get this either big igloo boys or the, uh, the, Kahuna's big luau. Um, and then it just sort of, it even evolved from there. Now it doesn't, you'll see references, or we found some references that have nothing to do with the sound boogaloo, because that's not the important part of it. It'll just be something like, you know, right. Ice House, which still references an igloo, which then. You mm-hmm. mentally make that sort of chain of connection. It's just—I uh, think that part's pretty fascinating. I've always enjoyed watching how memes sort of develop layer by layer. And um, there's just you know yeah. more enjoyable versions of this that don't include killing thousands of Americans. I don't know.
0: That's actually the only, like, one of the only scholarly references that I was able to find in doing these this research was somebody had done that like deep dive mimetic etymological analysis of how these names have progressed. And it was really interesting. Uh, Really, really dry, but really interesting.
1: Humans are clever, man, even when they're evil. (laughs) Anyway, back on track. To make a very long and very convoluted origin story short enough for a Marvel movie, the people... On these boards and in these Facebook groups they kind of bonded over their love of weapons in general and firearms specifically and then they sort of managed to wind each other up by glorifying the thought of I guess killing fellow Americans with the uh, with the alt-right movement gaining momentum during Trump's ascension to the throne sorry during Trump's campaign and eventual election and then his continual fanning of the flames of division the Boogaloo movement just grew. It was oxygen to a fire.
0: And because the the movement has its roots in internet meme culture, and because literally nothing about the Boogaloo Boys is centralized, nailing down a solid set of like organizational values or tenets is pretty difficult. Uh, but here are the basics, right? Boogaloo content on Facebook and elsewhere reveals that Most of the people who align with this movement are bound together predominantly by their desire to mount an armed insurrection against the government, with especially intense animus reserved for members of law enforcement. Uh, This boogaloo itself is seen as the breaking point where government oppression is finally met with revolutionary violence from armed citizens. At its core, the Boogaloo has always been used as a reference to mass civil conflict or civil war. It's just that who's on either side of the battle lines can vary based on the group you're right. talking to. And
1: this is, I think, sorry to interject, but this is where I think I started. I got the idea that they were explicitly a white supremacist group because of their origins in these explicitly you know, white supremacist boards. And then it, the sort of build out from there.
0: Yeah, I mean and that is like that is one arguably smaller side of the movement where you have those adherents who supported the first iterations of the Boogaloo idea. Let's go back to a 4chan for a minute, right? So we talked about K, the weapons focused board, but closely linked to K was another board called Paul or Pole, however you want to say it. Short for politics. And on that board, there was no admission to keep politics out of the conversation. Instead, it was a place where many folks with far-right extremist beliefs would openly discuss violent and racist ideations. And research indicates that the the message, the posters on on poll and their desire for race war is inextricably linked to the development of the Boogaloo movement on K. Users directed others to K to build their knowledge of firearms and heavy weaponry to choose a weapon to buy and to bolster their understanding of rebellion tactics in preparation for this race war. K-users, in turn, had engaged with Poll to discuss the armor and weapons needed to succeed in the Boogaloo. Though the two were not openly united in white supremacy by any stretch of the imagination, uh, the Boogaloo threads on both frequently included anti-Semitic and racist calls to violence.
1: It's, unfortunately, if you, dear listener, want to go blind yourself with the contents of that board, uh, you you really don't. don't. But Poll is is an active board that is still up, and if you think racism is dead, oh boy, do I have... Honestly, if you think racism is dead, do I have a bridge to sell you?
0: Oceanfront Property. It's passed down to me directly by King George himself.
1: I got mine from a Nigerian prince. Right? Cool.
0: So, you know, when we're talking about this extreme ideology, a lot of it is grounded in something that's called accelerationism, which is like a strange marriage of Marxism and neo-Nazism, which kind of holds that the contradictions of the economic and political order will eventually cause it to collapse And then from the ruins a nation built on blood and soil will arise. And although modern day accelerationism exists like across the political spectrum, it's been co-opted widely, it has become associated with some high profile cases of white supremacist violence, which is really, really interesting considering the anti-socialist sentiment that many libertarians hold very strongly to. Just gonna Point, pointing I mean, out I don't the hypocrisy want never to make works. Brain explode, But just think about it for a minute.
1: I weren't they chanting, and by they I mean the scumbags, uh, with the tiki torches. Weren't they chanting "blood and soil" as they were waving their little uh, oh god, I don't need party know. sticks around and pretending to be strongly threatening people.
0: Probably accelerationism's followers. They'll encourage any act really, that will accelerate that breakdown. Uh, Those actions might include the spreading of disinformation and conspiracy theories, QAnon, attacks on infrastructure and like lone wolf terrorism. And within accelerationist communities where members openly encourage each other to commit acts of violence to bring on the collapse of society, the boogaloo is cemented as a term that's used to describe a race war. One adherent and former Republican congressional candidate, Paul Nealon, wrote, and this is a quote, headshots are humane, boogaloo on. And he wrote this directly after the 2019 white supremacist attack at an El Paso Walmart that left 23 people dead.
1: I would say I'm surprised, but not we have like 25 candidates for Congress that are open adherence to QAnon which is another terrorist group by the way just saying they're not a group in that they yeah. don't have like oh, oh, oh you know membership roles but we'll talk about them All at right. some other time because that is honestly uh, <laughs> yeah
0: right. it makes my brain explode but hey the guys over at stuff they don't want you to know Have a real great
1: Five dollars, guys. That's going to be five dollars for every mention. That's ten dollars total right now. Oh,
0: and so do the guys at Reply All.
1: Fifteen dollars.
0: So do the guys at Reply All. Exceptional coverage of QAnon and some humor thrown in.
1: I guess if we get a lot of people asking for us to do it, we can do it. But uh, that's two great resources right there if you really need to know more about QAnon. Yeah,
0: I don't know that I'd survive that
1: one. Uh, Moving on. One common thread of accelerationism and the boogaloo is targeting police. So I'm going to use this story as as a, a case in point. But this is actually not a, a the only example. And I would encourage everybody listening, moving forward, whenever you see stories revolving around obviously inflammatory actions, especially taking taken in areas uh, with racial tensions going on at the same time, like marches in the streets. Remember this, okay? If you haven't heard this story, on May 29th, Air Force Staff Sergeant Stephen Carrillo, Carrillo assaulted two officers and killed one. He and another man pulled up beside the courthouse where Carrillo stepped out and shot at the officers multiple times before getting back in a van and speeding off. They then disappeared for days while police circulated photos of the vehicle, like pleading with the public for information that would lead them to the gunman. Eight days later, on June 6th, a witness in Ben Lomond, California, about 70 miles south of Oakland, spotted the van. And notice that the license plates were removed, the windows were obscured with spray paint, and there was what had been listed as a distinctive missing hubcap had been replaced with a new one that did not match the other three wheels. Now, this is a pro tip free here. If you're trying to disguise something with an even more obvious disguise, probably not going to work. Anyway, inside the car, investigators found uh, Carrillo's fingerprint on a can of white spray paint, and they used the that car to locate a an isolated home surrounded by woods where Carrillo and, and his escape driver were staying. They then moved in on this house, and as the as the police approached, somebody from the house began firing at them. Two sheriff's deputies were shot in the gunfight, and one later died. So that's two officers, one federal and one local, killed by this guy. After this gunfighter, while it was occurring, an explosion happened nearby. So the shooter, allegedly Kirillogan, ran away. He was armed with a semi automatic rifle equipped with a silencer and designed to fire multiple rounds with each pull of the trigger, so some sort of burst fire. He allegedly stole a Toyota Camry, the most agile of escape vehicles, from a driver at gunpoint and then proceeded to abandon that car nearby after scrawling uh, boogaloo-linked phrases in the hood in his own blood. So those phrases are stuff like, I became unreasonable, uh, stop the duopoly, boog. That's a common one. Yeah, boog. Uh, Because he was wounded, he didn't really make it much farther than that. He stumbled onto a local residence property, bleeding from this gunshot wound that he had sustained, uh, with his rifle strapped to his chest, and he demanded the homeowner give him his car. So (laughs) the—this guy's kind of a badass, honestly. The homeowner (laughs) calmly went inside to retrieve the key, he handed it to Carrillo, And then when Carrillo turned to leave, the homeowner just tackled him and disarmed him and (laughs) held him until police arrived and arrested him. So I thought that was pretty cool. If you're looking for a role model in this story, that's your guy.
0: It's it's that guy. guy.
1: So yeah, that was all done in the name of the Boogaloo movement. It was specifically to accelerate racial tensions or tensions between the populace and the police.
0: this connection between the, the Boogaloo meme and white supremacist and accelerationist groups has gone beyond 4chan as well. Racially extremist communities have also congregated on a platform called Telegram, which is an encrypted and mostly unregulated social media app that has become a haven for groups and individuals who have been banned by mainstream platforms. Uh, these public white supremacist and fascist channels have thousands of subscribers and promote these racial versions of the boogaloo. And while the white supremacy side of the movement was relatively small but active on Discord and Telegram, the non-racist libertarian anti-government side grew really rapidly on Facebook, seemingly like unaware of that neo-Nazi groups and, and hardcore racists were co-opting, I guess, their look and their jargon. I mean, co-opting is, it's really hard to tell who came first, right?
1: I kind of feel like it's the other way around. I feel like the, the libertarians co-opted this like neo-Nazi group, which I guess
0: is like, it's almost like it just branches. But either way, the, this libertarian anti-government side that mostly grew up on Facebook a lot of them had absolutely no clue about this hardcore fascist or white supremacist or neo-Nazi like side of this movement. And so like when the racist side tried to like come over and post on the non-racist Facebook pages and groups, they were usually kicked yeah. out and openly mocked by the moderators. One member described the idea in a Boogaloo-themed Facebook group saying, the Boogaloo movement is, for the most part, a libertarian group. The Boog is not the people versus the people. The Boog is the people versus the government. It's a revolution, not a civil war, is what he wrote. Which, I mean, I feel like that kind of represents the perspective that I, I thought that it was, just from the little bit that I've seen in in my social media feed and like let's be honest guys like if you pay attention some of this is probably showing up in your social media feed i've seen challenge you yeah i've
1: seen multiple people on my facebook on my pages you know commenting about the boo-boo people that i'm quote-unquote friends with which is why i made it exceedingly clear at the top that this is a terrorist group they might be loosely organized but they are 100 percent terrorists
0: Exactly. J.J. McNabb, who is actually a research fellow at George Washington University um, in their program on extremism and has testified in front of congressional subcommittees, she notes that while some of the earliest boogaloo's were actually white supremacists, the ones that came later... They did not inherit that side of the belief system. Most of them aren't even aware of white supremacy in the substance of the movement until like, they read about it in the newspapers. Until somebody says something that's quotable. There are even some black and Hispanic members and the libertarian side of the movement becomes like absolutely enraged when they're referred to as a white supremacist group. In these groups, memes praising John Brown, who raided a federal armory in 1859 in an attempt to spark a slave rebellion, are really common. Gun ownership and individual liberty generally supersede white supremacist and neo-Nazi sentiments, and many Facebook groups make it an actual point to disavow racism and uh, what they call national socialists.
1: As this migration to more mainstream social media happened, Um, So did a sort of, I guess, generalization of the Boogaloo ideology. So within any any extremist group, but here specifically we're talking about the far right, racist concepts and conspiracy theories are often cleaned up and simplified so they can be adopted by groups with a more mainstreamed focus and less overtly racist aims than their original creators. For example, the term white genocide has now given place to The Great Replacement, as a way of describing the idea that white people are being systematically replaced by non whites in Western countries. This process makes extreme ideas more palatable for the mainstream audience. And so the Boogaloo ideology seems to have undergone a similar sanitation process. Just a quick note on this idea of the Great Replacement like, that's how things are gonna happen because as a portion of the overall global population, white people are the minority. (laughs) So, eventually, there's gonna be this great blending and there won't really be white people anymore, whatever. That's probably a concept for another time. Although many Boogaloo communities have gone to these great lengths to disavow racism, their ideology frequently brings them into really close proximity with some of the most fringe and explicitly neo-Nazi parts of the internet. This tension represents the inner turmoil of the movement, which has its roots in private, property-focused, right-wing libertarianism. It's this Foundation that makes it hard for supporters to pivot the focus towards more universalist, anti-government activism. Since the variations in ideology are kind of significant, how does one spot a book? That's kind of the thing. When a movement is no deeper than a disgruntled perspective, special look, or a shared set of memes, anyone can join one way to know them is by their signature ensemble it is incredible to behold in the wild it is a hawaiian shirt a reference to the big luau eh? over which layers of body armor firearms firearm accessories patches loadouts for like emergency first aid kits and magazine holders Just literally anything these guys can put on Velcro and slap to their plate carriers so they look operator. Sorry, I have an opinion on this.
0: (laughs) You are entitled. (laughs) Of of anybody in this conversation right now, you are entitled (laughs) to have that opinion.
1: Moving on. The, The look, that overall look developed pretty recently, um, when several adherents wearing Hawaiian shirts and sporting boogaloo patches were seen at the uh, January 20th, 2020 gun rally in Richmond, Virginia, which is just an hour and a half south of here. And I'm so glad that that did not bother me. I was actually ready for all hell to break loose, I remember. So (laughs) uh, word spread on Facebook among gun and anti-government groups like the Oath Keepers. We'll talk about them some other time. And people started copying their look and their patches and jargon. For most, it was just an effort to join in the joke, even though many of these groups didn't share uh, the Boogaloo movement's like extreme animosity toward law enforcement.
0: And in the online space, like we said a few minutes ago, you probably encounter them regularly already, or I mean, at least you did before... Internet platforms started cracking down on them a little bit more. A whole host of Facebook groups now with clever names in an effort to obscure their true identities participate in furthering this Boogaloo meme and in some part the movement with posters calling for everything from political upheaval to revolution. Some have moved to alternative social media sites such as MeWe or Parlor and Gab where they freely share these memes targeting police officers and the political elite and other perceived members of the state, and some of which are, again, particularly violent and threatening. You might also hear them talking about the martyrs of their movement. Uh, Vicki Weaver was killed by an FBI sniper in 1992 during a protracted armed standoff at Ruby Ridge in Idaho. That's like a super sum up sentence right there there's a lot
1: yeah that's in a, that a one sentence <laughs> um, Prot-
0: yeah if you haven't heard the story of Ruby Ridge go find like a good reputable source not
1: a boo source and yeah. read that story protracted arm standoff it's- is like the sum like that is a <laughs> that phrase appears next to the word understatement in the dictionary.
0: In 2016, a man named Lavoy Finicum was killed by state troopers after he reached for a firearm uh, while participating in a standoff at Mal- Malheur National Wildlife Refuge. Both Finicum and Weaver's names appear on a variation of the Boogaloo flag, which doesn't seem to have like a standard.
1: It's uh, a, yeah, there's no one flag, but I've seen the one I've seen most often is. Uh, like the American flag, but instead of the field of stars, it's an igloo. And then, yeah, you know how like the thin blue line flag has the one stripe that's blue. It'll have one stripe that's uh, Hawaiian print. That's the flag I've seen most often. Nice. Yeah.
0: Yes. And there, there are versions of that that actually have uh, people's names yeah. in the stripes. Um, and so both uh, Weaver and Finkham's names appear in some versions of the Boogaloo flag. And then in March 2020, the movement found two new figures around which they could rally. One was Duncan Lemp, who was a 21-year-old Boogaloo adherent who participated in Boog Facebook groups and on militia websites. And he was killed when police raided his home in Potomac, Maryland. Officers claim that Lemp opened fire on them, uh, but some who claim to be eyewitnesses hold that Lemp was asleep in his bed, actually, when he was shot. That one is still... There's still a lot that we don't know about that case. There's still a lot that's unreleased about that case. And it's pretty recent. And then Timothy Wilson, who's a Missouri man with ties to neo-Nazis, was planning to bomb a hospital in the Kansas City area on the day that they actually initiated their stay-at-home order due to COVID-19. And Wilson actually told an undercover FBI agent that his goal was to kickstart a revolution and referred to his plans as Operation Boogaloo according to the agent's affidavit. And he was shot and killed when FBI agents tried to arrest him. Uh, These self-proclaimed boogaloo boys, again, broke into mainstream news in early 2020 with these high-profile protests against gun control legislation and against COVID-19 shelter-in-place policies, all very, very traditional, right-leaning, libertarian complaints. And then the group gained even more attention this spring and summer as part of the continuous protests that took place across the United States. During the first two days of the protests in Minneapolis, a small number of Boogaloo boys dressed in their signature Hawaiian shirts deployed themselves to the streets of Minneapolis. And while they were there, they vocally supported the protesters, but mostly, primarily, they focused on confronting the police. However, despite their appearance at many of these protests, the overall movement is really far from actually united in support around this new idea of allying with Black Lives Matter and anti-fascist groups against the government. Some within the movement have expressed skepticism, others outright racism and notions of white supremacy in response to the various large boogaloo social media pages expressing their solidarity with the protesters. Most importantly, though, the lack of direct violent confrontation with the police or the government during all of these widespread protests is really emblematic of this broader frustration that you see within the Boogaloo movement itself. Though the group is unified by their anti-government sentiments, some members actually are are expressing anger that that their fantasy of a civil war has not manifested, and they've even taken to attacking each other For a lack
1: of action. Honestly, that's disgusting. I don't think these people understand what war is. I think they've probably experienced some Hollywood video game sanitized version of it and think that that's combat. I feel like if they really understood what it was, nobody would ever want a civil war. You shouldn't want a civil war. So... (laughs)
0: <laughs> another
1: little story i suppose uh, about taking uh, taking matters into their own hands actually this yes. is breaking this is today this is today I that should... we got the news of this that's Don't right we are on the cutting about edge I'm right now. not
0: in any um, way excited about this other than the fact that like well you'll hear the story
1: yeah, I'm, I'm excited that for once the news cycle is yeah. lined up with our two-week production schedule and we're not way behind the ball on this one. In June, three men with military experience were arrested and accused of conspiring to use the momentum from riots occurring nationwide to hopefully stir enough confusion and excitement that others see the explosions and police presence and begin to riot in the streets out of anger. Uh, while some boogaloo. That was a quote. Yeah, sorry. That was a quote. While some boogaloo promoters insist they aren't genuinely advocating for violence, law enforcement officials say they have foiled bombings and shooting plots by people who have connections to the movement or at least use this terminology. That sets the stage for the breaking news that is just today in Michigan, a massive police operation swept up. I think 13 total men planning to uh, foment civil war. Attorney General Dana Nessel identified several members of the militia group Wolverine Watchmen and their associates as conspirators in a plot to kidnap Governor Gretchen Whitmer and overthrow the government. Their overall plan was crazy. They were going to kidnap this woman and then drag her to a remote part of Michigan, I guess, and have her, quote, stand trial. And then, I guess, execute her.
0: Yeah, stand trial for treason? Yeah.
1: I, I Their claim was that she was somehow committing treason. Treason, by the way, has a specific definition. It's not just a word that you throw around if somebody, like, does something that you don't think is American, that's not treason. It's like there's a very narrow band of actions that's actually treason. Anyway, you might actually remember Governor Whitmer from, like, everything that's happened in Michigan this year. Uh, She's been in the news a lot. But one of the most telling stories for this is... It kind of foreshadowed this actually was when an armed mob took over the Capitol building demanding the coronavirus lockdown and the state be lifted. People needed their haircuts, after all. The actions taken by Governor Whitmer did not sit well with a particular subset of society. If you've been paying attention, you can understand how she ran afoul of the radical libertarian alt-right movement that is the Boogaloo. So the Attorney General referred to the accused as extremists, who are hoping to recruit new members by seizing on a moment of civil unrest, very similar to these other themes we've heard, in order to wreak havoc on the country. She identified the militia group as the Wolverine Watchmen, and these people that are accused, she said that they conducted surveillance outside Whitmer's vacation residence, They used code language and encrypted messages to throw off police. And they were planning on planting a bomb under a bridge to divert law enforcement so that they would have space to carry out their kidnapping. The Michigan State Police alleged that this group, the Wolverine Watchmen, was founded by one Joseph Morrison and Pete uh, Musico, who are both facing state charges for their involvement in the plot to kidnap and probably kill the governor. The affidavit said members of the militia group would periodically meet for, quote, field training exercises in remote areas where they took part in firearms training and tactical drills to prepare for the Boogaloo. Their actions tied directly to this terrorist group, to this extremist movement.
0: I guess, and you said it before, like there's this is not something to play around with. Hmm. And I mean, and it's understandable, right, that a lot of people wouldn't know exactly what this is because press coverage of the movement until just very recently has been pretty sparse. Early press reports really only focused on that small subset, that white supremacy side of the movement, while completely ignoring the much larger and racially diverse libertarian side that had started to show up at armed protests and at rallies and who sided with the reopened protesters and the Black Lives Matter activists in cities around the country. However, more and more those stories about those who are are being arrested for planning and carrying out these violent acts have started to include their ties to this ideological group.
1: Law enforcement and... Government agency responses up to this point have been limited, as well, basically to individual actors. This is, I, this might be the first group get that they've had. As part of her testimony before the subcommittee on intelligence and counterterrorism, J.J. McNabb noted that since the majority of participants were radicalized elsewhere prior to donning the Hawaiian shirt and joining the Boogaloo, either in anti-government militant groups such as the three percenters, who are terrible, or the militias, or in white supremacy groups, the Boogaloo isn't actually considered an independent movement at this time. It it requires feeder organizations, basically. However, this could change if they continue to recruit teenagers and young men for whom these online pages and groups are their first taste of extremism, and it likely will change a common theme and something I think we can spend a whole other episode talking about is how these groups attract people and how the people they attract are usually these disaffected young men who have been raised with a certain expectation for what to get out of their life. And when reality fails to deliver this to them, they become this sort of, they, they become resentful. And then they find through the internet and through these groups, these other People who feel the same way they do, and they sort of feed into each other's spiral of negativity. I'll have to, I would love to do a deeper dive on that. Anyway, as we said before, platforms are taking action to reduce the impact of these Boogaloo focused groups online. Discord recently removed the largest Boogaloo server. Uh, Reddit has closed down the main Boogaloo subreddit, and Facebook and Instagram both removed a sizable network of Boogaloo accounts, pages, and groups from their platform. It's more than likely a temporary fix, as the groups are very good at rebranding their efforts to avoid being banned. On May 1st, Facebook updated its violence and incitement policy to ban Boogaloo and similar terms when used with images or statements depicting armed violence, and it says it is no longer recommending Boogaloo pages and groups to users and is demoting them in search results as of June 2nd. But one interview with uh, a member of the Boogaloo kind of laughed at the idea that, <laughs> that the term Boogaloo was important to them. And okay. they will issue any association with the term if it allows them to continue to congregate on these sites. I know one group was actually calling themselves CNN at one point. Like that was the group name was CNN. And I was like, all right. So they'll just, they will rebrand infinitely and and continue to form a new group. And I guess one could hope that by the continual breaking up of the group and reforming of the group and breaking up of the group, eventually attrition would set in and, and the group would naturally sort of expire or the, the, the movement would. But it, I think it's more likely we'll see them move to a platform like Parler almost exclusively, which is its own problem.
0: Ah, uh, the joys and the pitfalls of the internet. having a constitutionally protected right to free speech.
1: Which nobody so, here is saying is a bad thing. We, we need the freedom of speech. No. We're just saying there there are problems, as with everything. There,
0: there, are, there are good things. There are not so good things. Everything in life yep. has those. I mean, and, and so to wrap it all up, Right. In conclusion, just about any gun-loving male you know could be a boog. And just about any gun-loving female you know could love a boog. I know that sounds kind of far-fetched, right? But the reality is that this ideology is so fragmented and is reinterpreted in so many ways that it appeals to both the most radicalized neo-Nazis and to your neighbor who's irate at the idea that he might not be able to own a military-grade automatic rifle with which to shoot cans in his backyard. The Boogaloo movement is as out there as a plot to kidnap the governor of Michigan, and as close to home as that meme that your awkward cousin shared about going to a quote-unquote pig roast. And to me, like, that's the scariest thing about these internet-generated cultures. They shapeshift. They look like one thing on one platform and then completely devolve into something far more insidious on another. And the danger is that they desensitize people to their ideologies all the way down to the bottom. So that by the time you get there, everything that they're saying makes perfect sense. And even if you or no one you know is ever fully radicalized, you or they are still identified with that culture simply through passive participation. Like we said before, like these guys are doing domestic terrorism. This is, by definition, a terrorist group. So, bottom line, be careful out there in the wild, wild west that is the internet.
1: I say we get to some good news now. Yeah?
0: Okay, well, we can do good news, but first we need a shameless plug.
1: Shameless plug! That's my job today. So, we just want to ask you guys, beseech you from the bottom of our hearts, If you like what we do, if you like our episodes, please rate and review us. You can go to ratethispodcast.com slash fireside and it will walk you through all of the steps. Or you can find a link on our Facebook page, which you can find by just searching Fireside Breakdowns. And if you really need help, you can send us an email directly at firesidebreakdowns at gmail.com. You can contact us through that for questions for comments concerns (laughs) how is our driving basically any feedback you want to give any questions you have for us you can reach us on that email or through our facebook page we would love to hear from you (laughs) we have some new people that just like our facebook page actually and i do want to say sorry the page has been so dead these last two weeks Life oh, has not really allowed us to do much of anything other than what we absolutely have to. It is almost yeah. midnight on a Thursday night, and we're finally wrapping up this recording. That's how crazy this is.
0: It's been a freight train, guys, but we'll get back to the quality content yeah. you're expecting very soon. <laughs> we'll,
1: we'll bring you, uh, we'll bring you more stories and stuff uh, a, a little more frequently. More of the things that we reference in these podcasts again. Yeah. Let's see. Uh, email ratings. Facebook. I think that's everything.
0: I think that's everything. Right, let's. I think. Let's I think we can get to some. Give good news. me that
1: good, good news.
0: All right. So, kind of tangentially related, actually, to what we have spent the last hour and a half talking about, uh, Facebook has made public their decision to remove and restrict groups and accounts that are sharing and promoting material associated to QAnon. So, like we mentioned earlier. QAnon is a conspiracy theory that, well, it's a, it's a it's a conspiracy cult. Yeah, cult. I mean, it's its own subculture at this point that essentially holds that President Trump is waging a secret war against elite Satan-worshipping pedophiles.
1: Cannibal pedophiles.
0: Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. cannibal, cannibal pedophiles. pedophiles. Don't forget um, that one. And that all, almost all, uh, publicly known political and... Hollywood personalities are somehow evolved in this, um, well, this cannibal pedophilia ring. Yeah. I don't know. (laughs) In in a statement released on Tuesday, Facebook has said that its staff has begun removing content and deleting groups and pages, um, but obviously this work is going to take time and will continue in the coming days and weeks. Yeah, so their their dangerous organization's operations team will enforce this policy going forward and do their best to proactively detect content for removal instead of relying on user reports. So that's actually, that's a pretty d- big deal coming from a company like Facebook. That's a huge deal coming uh, from who, Facebook, yeah. Who is a private company and has absolutely no overarching obligation to manage that kind of stuff, but... Yeah. Good news is they felt like making a task force about it. Finally,
1: finally. I will say there has been calls for Facebook to do something like this for a long time and uh, totally human, not Android. Mark Zuckerberg is notoriously resistant to actually doing anything because, uh, you know, obviously limiting speech on your platform is, is going to be detrimental to your bottom line. at some point. But uh I think yeah. you know, morally speaking this is the this is the right choice. I know we we laugh at them, but QAnon has also done some terrible things. They are a, a, another terrorist group and um there are people that are dead because of them. So I think this is yeah. this is a strong move. I'm I'm glad they're doing it.
0: Yeah, I just I hope that they they are able to do so effectively and it it's more than just a a symbolic gesture although like we talked about earlier i mean these groups are chameleons Mm -hmm. and they will change anything and everything that they possibly can change in order to continue promoting their ideologies yeah so yeah good luck facebook
1: yeah (laughs) better better you than me guys but yeah I, i guess the only thing we can do is keep fighting the good fight get out there try to fight disinformation as much as we can Fireside Breakdown, standing against QAnon because we're not insane.
0: (laughs) Can we get a deep. Can that be our first piece of merch? Yes. (laughs) Standing against QAnon because we're not insane. I want to
1: know a mug. That's it, guys. Hey, donate some money to us. That way we can buy mug merch. Actually, maybe we should start a Patreon. Let us know what you think. I mean, can't hurt. Can't hurt. All right. uh, Everybody, (laughs) take care of yourself. Over the course of the next two weeks, over the course of the next month, yeah. it is only going to get crazier through November, and it likely is not going to get much better after the election. So do take some time for your own mental health if you can. Honestly, if, if you're struggling, seriously, you <laughs> reach out to us. We don't. Yeah. I would much rather help a stranger get through something hard than not. We're here for that, too. Take care of yourself. We'll see you in two weeks.